This is Lisa. My Girl Friday moniker has become my Girl Friday fitness, my Girl Friday music. I am a Girl Friday. I wear a lot of hats, don't we all? Back in 2007, when I started to get out of my own way, unlock those homemade prison cells, I was playing at a little sandwich shop. I was the only female that was hired to play there, and my day was slotted as Friday. So I would walk in with my guitar, and somebody, you know, making a sandwich behind the counter would say, Hey, Girl Friday! And then it just became really like a superpower. You're listening to Face Your Fierce, uplifting stories of trailblazing women who are living their lives outside the lines. I'm Eleanie Lee, success coach, psychotherapist, spiritual teacher, and entrepreneurial mentor. And I'm Meg Murphy, filmmaker, radio personality, actor, inspirational speaker, and workshop leader. And in this podcast, we bring you 20 minutes packed full of vulnerability, wisdom, and real talk. Lisa Cerise is a singer, songwriter, performer, school teacher, volunteer, fitness practitioner, and certified anti-gravity instructor. She guides us on finding our own X-Men, on feeling less like a weirdo, and on freeing ourselves from our homemade prisons. She even treats us to a surprise at the end. We were having our own Skype dates of planning and every week we would have a um, a weekly meeting, just Ella and I, and it'd be like, she'd be in a new spot, like Turkey. And I'm like, okay, well, I'm always in my living room. I'm so not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you've been all over the world. I was watching you globetrot and that looked fascinating. I How- think that's why we love this project of no matter where our guest is, no matter where we are, it, it's like we're still creating some magic. We're still creating. Yeah. Right. And when I first really got back into creating my own content, um, and one guy was in North Carolina, another guy was in France, another guy was in UK, another guy was in Dallas, which is not that far from me, but still, we've never met face to face. And so we were all, what we would do is we would trade, uh, one guy would record a bass line. And another guy would add drums to it, and then I'd add acoustic guitar, and then it would go to somebody's synth, and then we'd trade the track, and then I'd put vocals on it. And all of us still to this day have never met, but we keep in touch. And I feel like I know them. When I first got into recording, my technology, you know, was plugging in the vacuum cleaner. Yeah, it's so much fun to work with people from different backgrounds and cultures, and it just makes life exciting. And it challenges your creativity, too, because now there's all these people you've never met. You're not in the same space, so you have to think a little differently, too. But you get to integrate all of these different cultures into what you creatively make, which is different than before. It, it refines and hones your communication skills because, you know, you really you're starting from nothing. It's a blank canvas of, of emotions and friendships. And, and then next thing, you, you've got to use your words in a way that communicate so, yay oh. for technology. I have a love-hate relationship know, with it. Same, same, do. baby, same, same. <laughs> I want to plug it in and it work exactly as it's supposed to, but I don't want to do it. Troubleshooting is not my friend at all. So sometimes I say very colorful sentence enhancers that aren't, you know, very feminine. But uh, honestly, if it weren't for MySpace... I would not have Girl Friday music. Really? Yeah. I feel like I'd still be doing music in my living room because women in particular put so many boundaries around themselves. And, you know, I was pretty much keeping it very contained. 
It was here in my living room. It was maybe with friends, you know, through school or whatnot. And my very first gig in New York came from some guy who randomly ran a venue there and heard a song that I had just posted. And I mean, I'm talking crappy posting, not professional recordings. I was just churning them out, not judging myself, putting it out there. And he's like, your music is a perfect fit for our venue if you're ever in New York you need to call us and, well, I can get there. (laughs) Of course, you know, it's like Alice in Wonderland. You open one door and then something else comes available and you open another door and then, you you know. What changed other than technology? What changed from being in your own living room to out there? You know, I taught school for a while. My degree is elementary education. And, you know, I was always telling the kids we do performances and I always would joke with them and say, you know, if you're going to make a mistake, make it huge, make it gorgeous, make it wonderful and dynamic. Because, you know, they would be so, you know, inhibited and shy. So getting these kids out of their own heads to just be. Talk is cheap. I mean, I, I was giving it to them, but I really wasn't following my own Uh, suggestions there. So I decided, you know, it was kind of like a WTF. (laughs) You know, if today is not the day, when is the day? When is a good time? When is the perfect time? And I like when Richard Branson says, you know, that one character trait of successful people is that they never wait until they're ready. There's this one guy, his name is Brian Fincart, and he is a Broadway actor. And we got together and there was just some kind of magic in our conversation where he just said, you know, you're an effing artist. You, you create, get out of your own way. I mean, you're, what are you waiting for? And I don't know something about that affirmation. That was an earth changing, like those moments where you feel like the axis of your, your earth is changing. And from that moment on, I just felt a molecular change. It's like, I'm doing this. I'm going for broke. If I fall, if I fail, it's going to be, you know, an epic failure, but I will just do it. Music is undeniably a huge part of your life, but you and I actually met in anti-gravity yoga teacher training. Well, what's been so fun is that I am serving two masters because I cannot give up my fitness world. And because I feel like I'm an allied health professional, it's hard to go full guns in both directions. So I'm just going fullest guns in in both but I feel like it integrates very nicely plus I'm just a creative person and so I can bring that into my classes and now my girl Friday moniker has become my girl Friday fitness my girl Friday music I am a girl Friday I wear a lot of hats don't we all I mean it's funny how the girl Friday moniker started too because I actually it was back in 2007 when I started to get out of my own way unlock those homemade prison cells I was playing at a little sandwich shop called Potbellies, and I was the only female that was hired to play there, and my day was slotted as Friday. So I would walk in with my guitar, and somebody, you know, making a sandwich behind the counter would say, hey, girl, Friday. And that just, every time I walked in on Fridays, and it was, hey, girl, Friday. And it just became really like a superpower and fun and charming. And there were so many, you know, correlations you could make to Man Friday, because that's my life, just sort of a hand in every pot. Yeah, because I have in my memory seared of a vision of you in a pink anti-gravity hammock, hanging upside down with your guitar, singing effortlessly. I think it was a happy birthday song to Christopher Harrison, right, our trainer? It's funny because one of the things that drew me to anti-gravity was I'm a member of the Recording Academy, 
And so I was at the Grammys the year that Pink did her thing in the, her where she sang upside down and no, there's a woman right there. Okay, she is singing effortlessly, hanging upside down, and it was real. It wasn't lip sync. I challenged myself, and I said, I'm going to see if I can do this. So I put my guitar down, and he's right. There is this total sort of dyslexia. <laughs> it's like, okay, where are my fingers? <laughs> I have no idea. I'm going into autopilot here. But it was, it was loads of fun. I thought it might be difficult to breathe, to do the breathing, but it was just the opposite where you had all this area for expansion with the lungs. And it's really fun to play in as many dimensions of space as possible. And that's kind of a cool thing about you, too, is that you that's a great metaphor, though, for how you kind of live your life is that you look at things from different angles you're hanging upside down playing music is not a thing most people do or even think to do (laughs) so tell me what that is is like how you I think part of it was born of the fact that I grew up in a rural area there weren't a lot of kids around to play with I had my sisters and so without a lot of external stimulation, if you will. I read a lot. I think I lived in my head a lot, used my imagination a lot, spent a lot of time outside barefoot doing cartwheels and just... Sometimes I really think that you need to have absolute nothing to do in order to create or to to give yourself that moment to create where you're not totally having stimuli coming from other directions. Almost like enough boredom, like, well, what the hell am I going to do now? Okay, I know. I will <laughs> I will paint a picture. I will read this ballet book and teach myself some steps or a lot of daydreaming. And I think, too, at this stage of the game, a lot of people are very inundated with life. There's so many energy vampires in their lives and so much negative energy. And I think unless you make a concerted effort to try to extract whatever lightness or joy or whatever even if it's the simplest thing like my god this drink is so good (laughs) (laughs) so through music and fitness you help people get out of their own way how do you still challenge yourself and get out of your own way I guess sometimes still I still have to validate myself every now and again. So you wake up and say, no, now why am I doing this again? (laughs) Why am I this exhausted and it's self-imposed? So um, just making sure that I stay grounded in that no matter if it's a tiny, the, the like half of a baby step, it's still worth taking. And I'm not working for a record label, you know, so I don't have a gun to my head saying, you know, you, we need this by this day and all. So setting my goals enough to where I um, accomplish things, I stay steady on, and I don't try to talk myself out of it saying, well, I don't really need to do this. How do you give yourself permission to pursue all of them when... All of us growing up have been told, you know, what do you want to be when you grow up? As implying that it's one thing and one thing only. Right, right. I know. Well, I think it's because I'm still growing up. So I still feel... <laughs> now, if I, I would have to make decisions, for instance, like if I wanted to open an anti-gravity studio. Well, that comes with more than teaching. That comes with the business and, you know, the employees and the, you know, W-2 forms and all that kind of stuff. So I would probably have to let something go in order to be able to do that. But I tend to do more uh, contract working where I 
plug into structures that are already existing. For instance, I teach uh, the classes I did this morning. I did some at the YMCA, and then I did one at a doctor's office. I'm not in charge of either one of those facilities or those buildings. So I come in, I teach my classes. And there are some people, I think, who want to be in that position of leadership and they want to manage people and the the broad scope. I want to roll up my sleeves and work. I want to, if I'm with children, I want to teach them the music. I don't want to be the principal in the office doing the paperwork. I want to be with the children or um, teaching the classes. I don't want to run all the fitness instructors. I want to be in the room and I want to teach and I want to do so. It's giving yourself permission to do all of the above. Like you don't have to choose one. Yes. And I do. I know a lot of professional women who have gone through the law and the medical. And I think it didn't that they thought it was going to bring them more satisfaction. I'm reading this book by, I think it's Susan Pinker. And we just have this heart and sensitivity to want to try to encompass as many things as possible and never, ever do anything at the expense of letting the people in our lives or the, you know, whether they're clients we work with or children, uh, husbands, significant others, we just don't want to sacrifice that. Even though we have the degree for it, we have the intellect, we have the skills and it's a choice. It isn't like I can't make it to the top or I can't go further. It's a choice that like, I don't want to. I know a, a, an attorney who is now the happiest camper of all running a, a catering food service because mm-hmm. this was her passion. To her, it's not a sacrifice to give up. The, it's not giving up the degree because you don't ever lose any skills or education. You just bring them as tools to whatever it is you're going to do. Most people sort of flit around and then get serious, and I feel like I kind of got serious, and then now I'm going to flit. <laughs> <laughs> Yay to flitting! I love that, yes. <laughs> so you were talking about homemade prisons, because it kind of stems out of this too. By the way, I looked up the book, and um, is it The Sexual Paradox? Thank you so much. Oh, my gosh. <laughs> And she's trying to get it. Why don't we have more women in some of these higher, these positions? Is it really that we're being held back by a patriarchal society? And some of that is true in, in a lot of places, but a lot of it is by choice. And the the women that she's interviewed, it's like, you know what? It just doesn't bring me the satisfaction and the joy that I want to have in my life. And so I think women are very skilled at that knowing, nope, 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 nope. Especially when you sit, you hit a certain age, it's like, you know what? No. I think it's about getting okay with that too. So how do you make the prison break? Oh, that is such a, I think having supportive people around you who, with whom you feel you have unconditional love. And I think that takes one barrier away because then you're, you're not, you're, you're at least in a position to start really making the decision on your own. Because a lot of people, part of the homemade prison cell is that we we feel like also after living a certain amount of life that we've become certain things for certain people and they need us to still be who we are, you know, we are to them to fulfill their expectations. So that 
that's kind of a tough thing right there because there's one factor that will stand in your way. So hopefully, you know, being surrounded by people who are like, whatever you decide to do, I, I totally have your back. I am totally on your side. I believe in you. That's helpful. I think also sitting to discern whether it's that you're afraid of failure or success because a lot of people are not quite sure which which it is like is am I afraid to put myself out there because I'm afraid I'm going to fall on my face and people are going to laugh at me or talk about me say negative things or are you afraid that when you walk through that door there may be some opportunities and you're scared to take them or you're scared of you know well what happens if things take off and then you can't predict the no one can predict the future so you have to learning to embrace a certain amount of insecurity as being a good thing. I also return to reading like uh, Sonia Sotomayor or Ruth Bader Ginsburg. I try to go back. I think of, you know, these women who are out there that are strong. I read their biographies and I read, you know, the trials and tribulations and the, the obstacles that they've overcome. And if they can do that, I mean, I can certainly take these baby steps and just kind of taking a deep breath and saying, Okay, you know, if she can do it, I can do it too. <laughs> That's what Face Your Fierce is all about. <laughs> and and girls like you, you know, that are out there and inspiring and associating yourself with people who will be uplifters and not energy vampires. And sometimes that's hard because you have to say goodbye to some friendships that they're just not they're not healthy anymore. And I think that's hard for people too. And trying to place yourself in the path of other people who are similar minded, because then you don't feel like a freak anymore. <laughs> for a lot of times, you know, it's all about finding community and uh, a little like, ah, you know, I'm an X man walking around and who are my people? So you have to kind of put yourself in the way of other X men and, you know, just realizing that. We're probably all more alike than we realize. What the heck? Just jump into the pool. I will teach myself to swim. Yeah. yeah. Flitters unite. Flitters exactly. unite. Exactly. Let's flit together. Let's all flit together. Flit it. Flit it. Because <laughs> there is no guidebook for coloring outside the lines. What advice would you give yourself 10 years ago? Well, I just wrote a song about that. <laughs> Actually, we're recording that one in the studio, and it's called Glass Ceiling. Honestly, as cliche as it sounds, I just wouldn't have exerted so much energy on these things that now I look back and they, were, they, they just seem utterly ridiculous. First of all, caring what other people think. That I sometimes was so concerned about what other people wanted me to be that I didn't really spend enough energy or time thinking about, well, what, what are my gifts and how can I use them? And then realize that a lot of the fun's outside of the box, a lot of the joy and a lot of the exploration and the, uh, the neat things that we find in life um, happen outside of those lines. I have um, every right to own who I am and be who I am. And eventually, you know what, when you're authentic, I think even if you are flitting or <laughs> if you're hiding, people respect when you are just being yourself. And eventually they get on board, even the ones that do the puppy head tilt and like, what are you doing? And then next thing you know, everybody wants to be you. Everyone wants to put that superpower on, you know, and uh, just go for it. 
you wrote about your song Storm and that how cathartic that was and what a moment that was for you when it was finished. Tell me why that was so important and what that is about that song or that moment. Well, the the song Storm was actually written about a meetup in New York with the person who was really ushering me into this artist world and kind of taught me about getting out of my own way and just I had a, every bit as much permission to create as anyone else and that being an artist isn't a weird thing it's not an extra thing I mean art is life we need art in our lives and I went to this mixer and I met this producer I didn't even know he was a producer and starry-eyed kid who doesn't know I'm too goofy to even be embarrassed or to hold myself back I hand off my records and he's he listens to it the next day he calls he's like we should work together let's work together and I mean, boom, boom, boom. So next thing I know, there's this crew of musicians. We're at the sound studio. And to listen to this band, all of a sudden, from this song that I wrote, this very special moment in time, which was a defining moment of my foray into music. I mean, that downbeat, when they hit the downbeat, the waterworks, it's just, it was insane. It was so cute because one of the little sound techs just kind of creeps over and walks. I think he was half afraid of me and just, you know, hands pushes the Kleenex box as I'm just sobbing because it was like, it was birth. It was, and I knew at that moment that this, this was who I was. This was what I was going to do. And I was going to invest time, uh, talent and treasure into it. So, so here's what I want to do for you guys, because you were so nice. I'm going to oh just, um, this is my anthem song. It's called Dorothy, because I love to use the metaphor for Dorothy. You know, Glinda could have told her that the, there was power in the shoes, but she really had to take that journey herself. So I have met so many cool people on my yellow brick road. So this is my song. enjoyed this episode of Face Your Fierce, sponsored by Inner Outer Wealth and Meg Murphy Productions. Our music is provided by Poddington Bear and Girl Friday. If this story rang true to you, make sure to subscribe and pass it forward. We've got more about Lisa on our website, so click on the links in the show notes of this podcast. You can also follow Lisa and learn more about her upcoming album at girl-friday-music.com. And in the words of Lisa Cerise... Yes, see, we are all in this together. We are all in this together. We're all out there looking for each other. It's like, hi, I'm right here.
ਜਾਂ